Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Over the next few weeks, we are going to be launching into a teaching series on the Holy Spirit. I, I believe in my heart that God is leading us into this, and so I have great uh, expectation for what the Lord is going to do here. Great expectation. I believe as we simply learn to, to know him in a deeper way, I sense that his fruit will manifest from your life in a greater way. I sense that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon people in an even stronger way. I, I, I sense fresh fillings over these next few weeks. I, I sense us just falling deeper in love with the Holy Spirit and coming into a greater awareness of our need for him. Because listen to me, there's no life without the Holy Spirit. He, he, the, the indwelling Holy Spirit is literally the key to the new life that is found in Christians. So as, as we go through these next few weeks, we're going to just break open different facets of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I, I, just, I just sense that, that God is going to do something so precious in this place. I really believe the Lord has given me vision that through these few weeks, we will be marked as a body that will never be the same. Our gatherings here will never be the same as we come into awareness of who he is. And I want, to, I want to just start here before we go into the scripture. I want to just share this with you because this is important. There's many reasons why we need to dive into this. But one is the Holy Spirit is often looked as, and I, I may have shared this before, as the Cinderella of the Trinity. He's the one that's usually left out. He's the one that's usually never talked about. He's the one that usually is, is put to the side. In fact, you would be di probably disturbed, some of you, to find out there's a, a group called the Barna Group that... Uh, does all different types of Christian surveys and statistics. And I won't go through all the numbers, but the numbers are alarming as to how many Christians today do not even agree that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He's not even, he's not even divine. Listen, this is so, so important that we begin to dig into this and understand who it is the Holy Spirit is. Do you, this, many people don't even don't understand his role, and as a result, I often hear that we shouldn't give him too much attention we, we shouldn't um, honor him because it really comes from one scripture in John 16 where Jesus says that when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will glorify me. But listen to me, we, we, we take that out of context. We don't understand the full role of, of the Trinity because when Jesus came, he said, I've come to bring glory to my Father. He said, he said you've never seen my Father, but you've seen me, and I've come to point you to him. And then Jesus is leaving, and he says, now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to point you to Jesus. It's not that any one of them are less or subordinate to the other one. It's that they work in perfect humility and unity to accomplish our salvation and sanctification. They're constantly pointing to the one. So the Father says, you never see me, but Jesus says, you see me, you see him. Now, Jesus isn't here, and the Holy Spirit says, now I'm pointing you to Jesus. But he's God. And therefore, we should give him honor and worship and glory just like any of the Father or the Son. Who... Think about this. Who raised Jesus from the dead? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Now, that last part is just profound, and we'll go into that in the next few weeks. But the same spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that resurrected Jesus. Is he not worthy of our attention and honor and worship? Deeply convicted this past week as I realized, man, when's the last time I've actually given honor to the Holy Spirit in my life? I really felt, I really felt just, I was overwhelmed to tears of thinking, man, how often the Holy Spirit must be 
grieved by the fact that we just, we leave him out. And really, when we look at it, he, he's the, the centerpiece of what we're doing now in terms of this new life. He's the one that lives inside of us. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit, here's another thing I want to share with you. The Holy Spirit, and this is important because we're living in a time where there's a new age movement. He's not an energy. He's not a force. He's not karma. He's God. He's a person. Right now, if you're born again of the Spirit, there's a person living in you. Not some random force. The Holy Spirit. The scriptures make it clear. Listen, symbolically, he's spoken a lot, and this is where people get confused. He's spoken a lot uh, as, well, first of all, his name. His name, even in the Hebrew, is ruach, which is breath or wind. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it's pneuma, which also refers to breath and wind. And so he's often symbolized as wind. Some of his other symbols are oil, fire, wine, the dove. But know this, that doesn't mean that he's impersonal. That's just the way he likes to come. He fills, he baptizes, he pours out, but he's not a liquid. <laughs> he's a person. That's just the way that he likes to come and be with us. And so I want you to see that because this, this is really important that as, as we engage him, we're, we're engaging a person, not some random Star Wars force. The scriptures say throughout the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit has intelligence. He would lead the apostles to go different places or stop them from going other places. He speaks. Book of Revelation, to the, when they address the churches, how does every address end? He who has ears to hear, let him hear what what? What the Spirit says. The Spirit speaks. He has feelings. Scriptures say that we can grieve him. Have you, as a parent, have you ever been grieved by your children? That thought when he said, man, why did you do that? <laughs> I was here for you. I would have helped you through this. Why didn't you come to me? The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The point I'm trying to make is that he's a person. He's a person. So I want to look at this scripture in John chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 15 through 18 out of the ESV. And here's what we're going to speak about today. I'm laying a foundation for where we're going. We're going to look at some of these symbols. We're going to look at him as the oil and the wine and fire and living water. We're going to look at all these things. But I want to start here with a message that's entitled the indwelling spirit. The indwelling spirit. Now, if I were to give it a subtitle, I would say a new home. I want you to see something that we can't go anywhere until we understand that the Holy Spirit has to first come and take up residence within us. And he does that primarily before he wants to do anything else is simply for fellowship to bring us into fellowship with the Godhead. And so Jesus, in John chapter 14, Jesus is getting ready to leave this earth. And he tells his disciples this message. He hasn't shared this before, but basically he's going to tell them, look, there's one coming after me. And this is what he says. Verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The word is paraclete. We don't have one word in the English definition that accurately could, could describe this. So you may see in yours, it may say helper, it may say comforter, it may say advocate. Uh, you may see counselor. The Holy Spirit, he guides us. He leads us. He comforts us. He's an advocate. He supports us. He's encouraging us. The Holy Spirit, this is, this is one of his roles, also testifying that he's a person. And he is to be with you forever. 
We'll look at this more in the weeks to come. This is a profound statement because throughout the scriptures of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people at certain times and for certain periods. But Jesus is saying that the age of the Spirit is about to be upon these, these apostles, these disciples. Everything's about to change. So the Holy Spirit is about to come upon you. And not just for a season. He's going to be with you forever and he's going to dwell in you. Their loss would actually be compensated with a greater blessing than Jesus' bodily presence could ever give them. He's saying, take heart. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send another one. And you're going to be so blessed by it. He's going to come and he's going to live inside of you. And it's literally the life of Christ. The Holy Spirit, one of his other names is the Spirit of Christ. Literally, God is going to, dis to dispense the very life of Christ, that substance, into you so that Christ can live through you now. And here's what he says. He says, to be with you forever, verse 17 even the spirit of truth, there's another name of him. He's the spirit of truth. We shared a few weeks ago the importance of how we we're taken captive by lies. The spirit of truth now lives in you, testifying, searching out the depths of the Father to reveal it to you. I'll share this. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he will never contradict the character of God that's found in the word. So if you are saying the Holy Spirit is telling me to do something, but it's not in alignment with the written word in terms of the character of God, it's not him. The Holy Spirit is giving credit for a lot of things that he has never said. And he says this, Jesus says this, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's verse 17 that so gripped my heart. When Jesus said this, he says, he will be in you. He wasn't in them yet. This would happen at Pentecost. But listen to me. When I read this, I felt just an overwhelming explosion of, of the weight of what Jesus is saying right here. If you could picture this, everything that has happened throughout the entire Bible, the father calling Abraham, calling Isaac, calling Jacob, the Father calling Israel away to himself to be in covenant relationship. God raising up kingdoms and kings, establishing prophets. And then finally coming himself in the person of Jesus. And Jesus entering into our world in such humility that he would actually allow himself to be subject to his very own creation. He would have to be on the run into Egypt, live a life of being rejected and misunderstood and eventually put to the cross. And what was all of this for? Right here. He will be in you. Everything that God had been doing from the beginning was being summed up right here. God himself coming to live inside of you is the very fruit and crown of Jesus' redeeming work. This is it. He said, everything that I've done, it comes to this point. I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. He's going to come and take up residence within you. Can you picture this? In, in the Garden of Eden, that was the, the first, the Lord was just showing me, that was the first sanctuary, really, of God. The presence of God dwelt with, with man, and man was able to walk in complete fellowship with the Lord in such a unique way. God and man together. Of course, we know sin enters in, and ultimately man is banished from the Garden. But what do we see? The heart of the Father continually coming after his people. So as they enter into the wilderness with Moses... And they're taking their journey to the promised land. God instructs them to what? Build a tabernacle, a tent. Why? So that God could be in their midst. He would have a home to dwell amongst them. And finally, they would move into the promised land where God would establish an actual 
temple for him to reside amongst his people because his heart has always been to be with us. That's what I want you to see. His heart has always been to be in communion with us. And then Jesus comes. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and it was with God. And then verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know that in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, the Greek translation is the Septuagint. And the Greek word that's used for tabernacle or tent is the very word that it means when it says dwelt. So when it says Jesus, the word dwelt among us, what it's really saying is the word tabernacled among us. The word tented among us. It's the imagery of God from the Old Testament who had been in the midst of his people in a tent, in a tabernacle. Now Jesus come himself. The very holy presence that was in the Holy of Holies residing in Jesus to be among us. Why? Because God wants to be with us. And then the most glorious thing, Jesus makes a way for what? The Spirit to be poured out. And 1 Corinthians tells us what in chapter 3? Do you, what did Paul say? Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? Do you not know that you are the tabernacle, the tent of the living God? Yes, we as a body collectively, but also individually, you are housing the holy of holies. In the depths of your being, God is residing in you because he has always wanted to be with you. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that has made what God has always longed for, to be with his people He's not restricted anymore to a building. Now he lives within us. It's what he's always longed for in our lives. For the very first time, God by his spirit took up residence in redeemed sinners. From Genesis to Pentecost, God revealed that he wanted to be with his people, empowering and enabling, but he could only be in the midst of them. But now he indwells them, making them children, sons and daughters. My friends, this is the very beginning of fellowship of the eternal life with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that begins now. The Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit. Listen, we're going to see this in a second. He has grafted us in to the divine life to be in fellowship with God himself. 1 John 4.13 says this. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his Spirit. He lives in us. John G. Lake, who we shared weeks ago, incredible evangelist and had an anointing for, for healing, he says this, a Christian man, a Christian is a man indwelt by God, the house of God, the tabernacle of the Most High. God descends into man and man ascends into God. We are literally housing the very presence of God when you were born again. When's the last time you stopped and thought about that? When's the last time you thought as you're walking around that literally the holy presence of God, not a random force, the Holy Spirit is living in you? Do you think if we prioritize that truth and live the life in continual conscious and awareness of that, do you think our lives might just look a little bit different? Do you think when I'm stuck and my back is against the wall and I, I just feel this strong temptation coming on my life, do you think it might look a little different if I said, Holy Spirit, I thank you with me right now? And I thank you. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So lead me right now, Holy Spirit. Do you think our lives would look a little bit different if we were aware that there is a person living in us with a capital P, the third person of the Trinity? Absolutely. Look, that's even a key as we'll go in the next few weeks. That's a key to holiness too. 
when you realize that you are his tabernacle for the holy God to live inside of you. That means wherever you go, he's with you. Whatever you do, he's there with you in it. And I'll just leave that right there for a moment. We'll come back in weeks to come. Listen, God has always desired to be with us. You know, one of the expressions that is used often in the Old Testament is God says, I will be with you. How many of you have read that? I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be with you. Again, do you even know that in, in where, where God calls Moses and Moses needs confidence to go before the people to lead them and he says, what will I tell them? And God says, I am. Again, that's coming from the Greek Septuagint. But in the Hebrew, the same phrase for I will be with is actually that word right there. Some even keep it as I will be, meaning I will be with you. In other words, Moses' confidence was not coming from God just saying, just go, Moses, I am. He's saying, I will be with you. And for, throughout the scriptures, God would continue to say, I will be with you. That's why when Joshua was taking over for Moses, what did the people ask? We want to know that God is with you like he was with Moses. They understood that God was a God who dwelt among his people. And the fulfillment of that is in Jesus, whose name is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Do you grasp the heart of the Father to be with us and live with us and be inside of us? Jesus has come to make that a reality in our lives. God is not interested in visitation, but habitation. I love what Dan Moeller said one time. He said, sin evicted God from his home, but he paid the highest price to move back in. He wants to be with you. And the indwelling Holy Spirit at the most foundational level is bringing you into fellowship with God himself. The entire purpose of salvation, listen to this, out of all the different things and benefits that come, the new birth, conversion, justified, sanctified, all of it is like arrows, though, pointing to one end result, glorification and union with God. At the end, what the Father is after, what God has always been after, is union with you. The goal, the purpose, is immersion into the richness of the divine life. The indwelling spirit, the Holy Spirit coming to take up residence in you. Listen to me. He gives gifts. He gives power. He, he releases promises. He speaks things into our heart and gives promises to us. But know this, more than any of those things, his primary purpose is coming to bring you into fellowship with God. If you let anything else supersede that, you've missed it. His primary thing is he wants to be with us, and he's come to live in us. That is why John 17, 3, when Jesus prays with the Father, what does Jesus say? He literally sums up eternal life as what? To know God intimately and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Literally, Jesus sums up eternal life as intimacy with God. When you, when you are born again of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling spirit comes in you, you have not just received a new legal status. You have not just been pardoned. You have literally been brought in to participate in the divine life, and you are being transformed by that into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. And so at the most foundational level, as we speak on the Holy Spirit, I'm emphasizing today the fellowship that we've been called into. Because it's what every heart is longing for. Everyone has been made to know their maker this way. And whether you know him in terms of being born again or not, I, I know many people in the church that are still deeply missing this. 
And they don't understand why they do more and more things, and yet they're still so empty. It's because we've lost the simplicity of pure and simple devotion to Jesus and prioritizing that. And the Holy Spirit has made a way for God to do what he's always wanted to do, which is make his home in us so we can know him in a very intimate way. I want you to think about this. For all of eternity, the Trinity has operated in perfect relationship, perfect unity, perfect love, the purest of love being exchanged amongst them for all of eternity. And the indwelling spirit has brought you into that. Can you think about the weight of that? The Holy Spirit has grafted you into that loving union that has always existed. God has not left us on the outside of his life, but Jesus came in order to bring us in. That is why the scripture says, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I'm not going to leave you on the outside of this. I'm going to what? Send the Holy Spirit, whose name is also what? The spirit of adoption. And the spirit of adoption does what? It cries out, Abba, Father. Literally, God has grafted us into the very divine life of the Trinity, not as equals, but as adopted sons and daughters, that we now can live in this fellowship and experience what they have experienced for eternity. And this is what our hearts are always been longing for. We worship the God who descended into the depths of our brokenness in order to make a path for us to ascend into union with him. We worship Jesus. Say, Jesus, you've made a way. And Holy Spirit, you live in me that now I can be in union with him who my heart has always longed for. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's on, it should be on the screen as well. It says this. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. You have been caught up in the fellowship with the triune God. I cannot think of any greater privilege. And when you get caught up in this, you are literally awakened to the purest of love that has existed for all of eternity. Now it is available to you. There is a man by the name of Bernard Clairvaux who is a, of a French descent in the 12th century, a very famous uh, Christian uh, figure at that time. And you can look him up for more, but he's well known for, he has a lot of well-known writings, but especially on the intimacy we have with God and the intimacy that exists between the triune God. And he, his, one of his best works is on the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, which is actually a quite challenging book if you've ever read it because it speaks to this relationship that God wants to have with us in, in a profound way. And he says this in one of his lines, he says this. He says, if the father, he's speaking of the Trinity, if the Father kisses the Son and the Son receives the kiss, the Holy Spirit is the kiss. The Holy Spirit, the person, is literally the means of which this love is being transferred in this trinity. Which means when now that he lives in you, you are literally being brought into that so that you have access to that. Clark Pinnock, who wrote a book called Flame of Love, which is an awesome book on the theology of the Holy Spirit. He said this, as the persons of the trinity dwell in and with one another. Listen, so we, created in the image of God, dwell in and with God sharing the life of the Trinity, and experiencing movements of love passing between the persons. Literally now the Holy Spirit, we have been brought in that we can experience the very love that has always been exchanged between them. Jesus in that prayer in John chapter 17 speaks over and over of the unity that we have now with God. 
He says, just as I was one with you, Father, now they're going to be one with you. And he says this, just as I have received your love, that love is going to be in them now. Do you, you have to understand, love is so powerful and transformative. We need to be in fellowship with him because if not, we'll go out seeking everywhere else to find it. Romans 5.5 5 says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been trickled, leaks, it has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in you is literally taking the picture of Jesus on the cross and taking it from being something that's just lodged in your mind as a dead principle and he's making it a burning reality in your heart. That as you come away with him, you would know that you know that you know that he is yours and you are his and he deeply wants you and loves you. We are his children and we are in need of our daddy, our father. And as I shared, this is so important because love is transformative. If you struggle with fear, love is the answer. His love will destroy that if you can't share your faith or you're just crippled by that. It crushes insecurities. It creates boldness. If you love me, you'll obey me. It leads to obedience, not from duty, but from delight. It creates purity as my heart wants him more than anything else. So I say, God, I'll do whatever you want, not because I have to, but because I love you. But here's the word I feel like God really gave for this, for this body today of why we need to be in this fellowship. And I don't know who it's for, but this love crushes loneliness. This love crushes loneliness. And I feel like the Lord highlighted that, that there are some people, maybe many, I don't know, that are deeply struggling with loneliness. And as a result, we give, our way, give ourselves away to relationships we shouldn't be into. We do things to receive acceptance from other people. It leads us to a lot of dark places. But if we would know that the comforter is available and with us and deeply loves us, that we can be with him, it would swallow up that desire. And we'd find it fulfilled in a way that no man or woman or anything could ever do in this earth. I find that many people, even in the church, are deeply lonely because we haven't really grasped the reality of what we have been brought into. And as a result, we don't prioritize this fellowship with God. Have you, have you learned the secret of coming away with him daily to be with him? To be caught up in this love between the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Have you learned the daily rhythms? I tell you what, once you do, you will know. Because if you start missing that, your life feels so dry. There is nothing like being with him. When's the last time you just got away and just said, Holy Spirit, here I am. And just worship him, speak to him. Let him open up the word to you. If you feel empty, I'm telling you that almost every time that's the answer. It's coming back to being with him. Are you aware of his presence in you? You don't need to strive or strain. I struggled with this for so long until recently, until I realized, my goodness, God's holy presence is in me. I don't need to make something happen. He's already there. I simply just need to, to come away with him. And he's ready to commune with me. Always. That man, Clark Pinnock, also shared this that I think is so important for us today in, in the times that we live in. He said this, he says, here is the answer to our scattered confusion. The muchness and manyness that afflicts us moderns. He says, here's the answer to 
what we're seeing today, which is such busyness, such emptiness as a result we're doing, even in the church, so many activities. We've missed him who is life. And he says, this is it. He says, we must not forget that there is a sanctuary within us to which we ought always to retire. Eternity is within our hearts, pressing upon our time-torn lives, warming us with intimations of an outstanding destiny, calling us home into itself. I love that. We must not forget that heaven itself lives in us now. And at any time in the midst of craziness, we can retreat back to that sanctuary to be with him, to sit and rest with him. Are you living from this place of fellowship? Jesus taught, unless you abide in me, you can bear no fruit. Go run around and do all you want for the Lord. But if it's not birthed out of intimacy, there's no fruit. My friends, this is the heart of everything. Everything starts here. Stop chasing gifts, promises, all these other things. They're there. We're hungry, but we know one thing. If we put that over him, we miss it. He wants to give those things, but not at the expense of him. That's idolatry. He's looking for a body that says, Jesus, give nothing else but you, and I will be content. Find a people that prioritize him like that, and you will see God move in powerful ways. Because he's truly honored there. He's truly wanted. And I'll finish off with this. In Ephesians chapter 1, this just blew my mind this week. As I think about the depths of this fellowship that we have access to. And you know what Ephesians chapter 1 says in verse 14 about the Holy Spirit? It says, when you, when you were born again, he sealed you with the promise of the Holy Spirit. As what? As a guarantee. As a deposit of what is to come. Literally, it's saying the Holy Spirit in you. When you get caught in those moments, you say, I don't want to leave this place right here. Like right here, this communion with God, I want to stay here. And the Holy Spirit saying, it's coming. <laughs> it's a taste of what God has brought us into. There will be a time when we will be caught up with him forever, enjoying him and his body forever in perfect com communion. But now the Holy Spirit has been given so you know, you have confidence that it's coming God says, here's the down payment. Jesus accomplished it. Here's the down payment. The full thing will come. Just hang on and learn to love me and you have access to it now. And when I look at the life of Paul, I see that that longing characterizes Paul's letters. Above everything else, there's this longing, this groaning within the life of Paul that really just transcends above everything else. It's more than the passing pleasures of sin it's more than the enjoyments that come with blessings from God. It's more than even the exhilaration of being used mightily by God. All of these were well below this chief fascination of Paul, which was to know God and to be filled with him. He was consumed with this, I want to know him. And he used this word, the glorified body. He said I, I, he looked forward to the glorified body, which was when we would be caught up and completely transformed in, into the deepest oneness with him. There's a missionary by the name of David Popovici that I've just come to so, so appreciate and love. He's in Iraq, incredible man of God. And he spoke into this crying out of, of, our, of our spirits. And he said, he said, every single person that's born again of the spirit has this cry. He said, it may just be immature and undeveloped right now in your life. It may sound like a little infant that doesn't know how to articulate what they feel, but there's still a cry for something. And he says, all of us have this, and this is what he said. He says, can you feel that deep craving in your soul crying? Oh, to be a man filled with God. 
the apex of redemption and longing of our Father is that he, meaning God, might have a people, us, even a bride for his son, that would perfectly bear the image of his son that could fully house him. Let us be caught up in this pursuit and this incredible truth that one day, the fellowship we experience now with God, that will be for eternity. That will be for eternity. You see, before we can get into, and we are in this series, we're going to get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see these things of how we are in need of that. We need to be, listen, the church, how was the church birthed? By the outpouring of the Spirit. Listen, we need to be hungry for the Spirit. We're not ashamed of the Spirit. We realize without it we have no life. But know this, at the core of it, at the foundation, is fellowship with God. And we need to be a people that say, man, I want to cultivate a lifestyle that is in alignment with this beautiful truth that I, I can know him now. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come forward. I'm going to pray for us in just a second as a group and then those that would like to stay around for prayer. would be more than welcome. We'd love to pray for you. But I sense deeply that I just sense the Holy Spirit wooing people even right now, awakening to the emptiness you feel is a lack of fellowship with him. Jesus told Nicodemus that if you want to experience new life, Nicodemus, you must be born again. See, that's why we're starting here, because it does, it does no good if I teach you on all the things the Spirit does and all the symbols if he's not living in you. It does no good. So Jesus told this man who had an incredible resume in religion. And yet Jesus had to tell Nicodemus, you're not understanding. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again of the Spirit. When Nicodemus heard the word born again, he thought, what does that mean? I go back in my mother's womb? How is that possible? He said, no, no, no. Everyone's been born once, a natural birth, but you must be born of the Spirit. There's no life until that takes place. And I, I want to share some before we pray. The Lord showed me something, that when God was constructing the tent or the tabernacle in Exodus 26 when they went into the wilderness, God led me there this week, and I began to read through it. And if you've ever been there, there's all these details. And I just said, God, let me get to Mount Sinai where there's some action. I don't want to stay in this. And he said, keep reading. And so I'm reading, I'm reading, and he's going through everything. The colors, everything has been picked out by God. And I felt the Lord say, what do you notice? I said, there's a lot of detail here, Lord. He said, yeah. He says, in order for me to dwell in a home, I have certain requirements. You see, the temple was a, literally a blueprint of heaven. It was birthed from the very heart of God. It was heaven. It was birthed from heaven. And the Lord said, I will not dwell here until these specifications are met. And then the Lord said, do I still require a certain blueprint 
before I can make my home in people. And I said, yeah, you must. You don't change. What is it? And I felt the Lord, I felt that I was doing this. It's perfection. It's perfection. In order for God to dwell in us, we have to live perfectly in perfect obedience. Now, before anyone leaves here and says, oh, my goodness, I'm done. How many of us can say we've ever lived that way? None of us can fulfill the specifications that God has, the blueprint that God has put in order for him to live in us. But do you know the good news? That Jesus Christ came to fulfill it for us. That's why he didn't just go to a cross. He first lived a life so that he could fulfill the law in every way. He lived perfectly righteous and obedient so that when he came to the cross, the Father said, now a temple has been prepared. You see, you cannot have him dwell in you until you have been cleansed by his blood. Jesus is the answer. So through his whole life, he had you in mind knowing, I'm going to fulfill everything for them because they can. And when I leave this place, when they put their faith in me, their temple will be cleansed and God can come and make us home and we can be in fellowship with him. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.